So the way that this applies to decision making then is if you have a decision in front of you, try and figure out if it's a one-way door or two-way door. Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the program, I am joined by Wade Foster. Wade is the CEO and co-founder of Zapier, a workflow automation tool used by over 3 million people to connect the work apps they use every single day. Prior to Zapier, Wade worked as a customer development lead for the IdeaWorks Incorporated in Missouri, and he's an alumnus of Y Combinator and has degrees in industrial engineering and business administration from the University of Missouri-Columbia. Now, Zapier has been a sponsor of this podcast in the past. They are not a sponsor this time around. I'm a big fan of automation. I just wanted to catch up with Wade, learn more about, you know, the nuts and bolts behind Zapier, why he built it, more about how he constructs his day and his time. That's one of the things I really wanted to get into. So while Zapier is something that I use and they have sponsored the show before, they are not sponsoring this episode of the program. And as a matter of fact, I would have Wade on regardless because I really like what he's been doing with Zapier over the years. So stick around after the conversation with Wade so you can hear what my Productivity Podcast Pick of the Week is. But for now, let's just get to it. Let's get to my conversation with Wade Foster of Zapier here on the Productivityist podcast. I'd like to welcome Wade Foster to the Productivityist podcast. Wade, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, Mike. So, one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you, and I mean we've 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 talked before, um, but I want to kind of get into this idea. One of the things that we've seen more and more, at least I've seen more and more, is this notion of of um, outsourcing, right? Like I think that's one of the things that people consistently talk about, especially when it comes to productivity and time. Like get rid of the things off your plate that you don't need to be doing and someone or something else could be doing it instead. And this is where I think you've got a good line, a good beat on it, because you may not be the someone that can help people with outsourcing, but you've got something that you've got the something that can help people when it comes to outsourcing <laughs> and automating. Can you share, let's dig into that a bit for people who don't know who you are. Sure. So I, well, I'm the founder and CEO at Zapier and Zapier helps people be more productive at work by helping them automate all the various tools they use at work. So we have connections to 1500 apps now, um, things like G Suite, Slack, Trello, Salesforce, QuickBooks, MailChimp, FreshBooks, you name it, we probably support it and can help you kind of automate some of the routine stuff you're doing within these apps on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis. As Zapier has been, uh, you know, I mean, as of this recording, I mean, you guys have been around for a while. There was another, there's another popular uh, automation tool, but it's shifted gears. You guys really haven't shifted all that much in the years that, that I've seen you. I mean, you've made some adjustments, but what's the evolution of Zapier been like, uh, you know, as, you know, since you started it, because clearly with you know, when you started, it was like, hey, I'm filling a need, I'm scratching an itch, but there's obviously it's there's there's either new itches that have shown <laughs> you need to scratch, or you've just found that there's more people that that have that 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 you're like, hey, you know what, I can I can use this tool, and I now understand how to use it because I think that was another thing too, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, early on, Zapier only could do um, you know a single step zap, so when I get an email, post it to Slack. Or if uh, I have uh, a 
PayPal message or PayPal payment come in, add this person to my uh, MailChimp subscriber list. Uh, then we added multi-step zaps so you could chain things along. So you might say, hey, when I, someone fills out this form on my website, uh, I want to send them through Clearbit to qualify them, and then I want to send them to, to Salesforce to get them into my CRM. And then later on, we added pass, which meant you could uh, take them down multiple directions. So you might say, when someone fills out a form through my website, run them through Clearbit to qualify them. If they have this score, send them to Salesforce. If it's this other score, send them to MailChimp. Uh, so we've kind of become much more robust and fully featured throughout the year. And and now kind of as we're looking ahead, we're, we're kind of coming back to our roots and saying like, okay, we've got this fully robust thing. How can we make this stuff super accessible and simple for, you know, the mainstream users? That's what I was going to get to that because I think one of the things that, that I, I struggled with from the get-go is – Okay, I know uh, I know I can set up a singles app, and and I'm like, oh, this is good. And then you kind of get addicted to setting mm -hmm. up. You're like, oh, well, if it can do this, and it can do this, and then the, you know you you end up you know like with any tool, you kind of go crazy with it because you're like, oh, I want to get into it. What can you kind of uh, explain to me? And again, this is not a let's be clear, everybody, this is not a commercial for Zapier. But I think that there is there's some merit to saying, hey, you know what, when you're starting off with a tool like this, just like you said, you know, hey, it's a singles app, then it then we had multi, you know, multi step. And now we've got these paths. Um, when someone starts with with Zapier, uh, how do you how do you say, hey, look, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa pump the brakes here, you're, you're either going a bit too much, or um, you know what, maybe, uh, like, where where do you go with this? Because I think that there is some intimidation there for, for even users that have used a lot of technology. Well, I mean, I'm not sure that we're trying to pump the brakes on folks. I think, uh, <laughs> I think if, you know, folks have needs, if there's things that we can solve for them, um, by all means, go find ways to automate it. Uh, you know, I think the thing that trips folks up often is really – it, more often, it's what is the thing that I can do? You know, it's like, okay, I can do this, I can do that, but what else in my life is it that I can, I, that, or at work that I can use? I, what, what problems can I solve for myself? Because mm -hmm. it's not, to your, to your point earlier, it's not a tool. This isn't, these types of tools haven't existed for very long. And so I still think a lot of folks are getting used to what can I do with this? This is like a new thing that has never really existed before. It's a new skill. It's a new way of approaching work. So I think the real challenge for folks is really getting overcoming that hurdle of like, okay, what can I do with these types of tools? One of the things I was I was going to touch on as we kind of went through this, because the, the evolution of Zapier has been, the evolution of automation in general, there's a lot of things that people can now, you know, push off to, uh, used to be able to say, hey, I need an assistant to do that. Now you don't. Now you can have a piece of software that will do it. And you guys have, what you've done is said, hey, we, we you, you can have several different pieces of software that you use and we integrate with them to allow you to kind of even create more more uh, complex, not complicated. I think that's, there's a mm -hmm. different, they're complex automations. Do you think that you're going, where you guys are going and maybe where you need to stay to a certain degree is people 
that will help those people with that kind of thing you were just mentioning? Like, hey, here's what I can do. Like almost like the like a concierge of sorts. Because mm. I, I was reading, I was reading um, Harari's Twenty One Lessons for Twenty First Century, and one of the things he said is that software is going to be able to do a lot of stuff. Like, yeah. for example, doctors doctors will be able you'll be able to go and they'll be able to diagnose things so they'll be there the likelihood of replacing elements of what they do is far easier than say replacing the elements of what a nurse does because mm -hmm. there's the human component right so mm -hmm. to, to that end to kind of get back to this is are you finding that you, that concierge and that kind of thing is something that you guys are looking at and maybe someplace that you have to kind of dig into for that very reason yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, we want to strive to make Zapier as accessible to everyone as possible. I think the reality is there's always going to be folks in this world who are on the cutting edge, who are on the bleeding edge, who can help kind of pull the rest of us forward. To that end, you know, we've kind of quietly launched a, an experts program recently, which has about a dozen experts in it who are going to be some of those early folks who help coach folks who are maybe less familiar with this concept of automation, who are less familiar with this concept of how to go about things. I think that the real change that we want folks to make is their approach to their to-do list. You right. know, a lot of folks look at their to-do list and say, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. It's a list of things that I got to do. And the mind shift change that most folks I think need to make is not, I got to do this, but how's this going to get done? Mm -hmm. And how it gets done isn't necessarily you doing the work. Um, this is a craft that managers have perfected over the centuries, which is this art of delegation. So you can delegate if you're fortunate, maybe you have an employee or someone you can delegate the work to. A lot of the folks don't have that, and you can actually delegate this work to software. Uh, and if you can find software that can do some of these tasks, it's not going to be able to do everything. To your point about the doctors and the nurse analogy, there's a human element to many things. You can't delegate those certain things. But there's other things that software can step in and help you with. And so I think when you look through your to-do list, that's a great place to start and start stop saying, you know, I got to do this and start asking your question for all these tasks. How's this going to get done? Yeah, one of the things that that I recommend people do is if they're using a tool like Zapier um, and you're using, like, say, Todoist or Asana or any of these ones that allow tagging or labeling in your task list, create mm -hmm. a tag or a label for that. And then that way you could say, okay, maybe you haven't set it up yet, but you're like, you know what? This tool, this thing is probably something I could put in Zapier. So let me tag it or label it as such. And then when I'm able to fully kind of get into it, I can, I can create that because I think that's another thing too. And I'd love you to speak on that is the idea of taking the time to set up the automation. Cause I think that's mm -hmm. the other thing that people get in people's ways. They're like, Oh, I don't have time to do it. Yeah. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit? Because I, I mean, from what I've seen, uh, it, it, again, it depends on skill set, but it also just depends on, on, um, you know, understanding, like you said, why or what they're trying to automate in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. There's this great book, uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, that talks about kind of the two ways of thinking. And there's when you're thinking fast, these are like the routine things that you do every day. And your brain takes shortcuts on these types of stuff uh, because it can just get into this mode where it just goes, goes and goes and does the thing that it instinctually does. Now, when it's thinking slow, this is things like tasks that you've never done before. Maybe you're learning something new. It's harder for your brain to tackle it. These things require more energy. It requires calories. It 
requires mental weight to go figure this sort of stuff out. Um, but it, once you learn those types of things, they can become uh, a thing that you might actually think fast on. So anyway, I like to use this concept when you start to think about your to-do list because your to-do list is often filled with things that are kind of the thinking fast mentality. It's like, you know, take the garbage out, clean the bathroom, uh, send an email to this person. They're all things that don't require a lot of mental energy. And the reality is what happens is you go about your day saying, oh, I got so much to do. I got so much to do. And you just go into this thinking fast mode where you're just like, get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done, which at times is the right mode to be in. But if you're finding yourself saying, you know, oh, I just never have time for this. I just never have time for this. I just never have time for this. There's an opportunity for you to step back and kind of go into this thinking slow moment and do an audit on what's going on that you're constantly saying, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. And to really look, you know, at your calendar, to look at your to-do list and say, how can I go about this smarter? What can I do that makes this better? And part of that might be automation and using a tool like Zapier. Part of it just might be doing a calendar audit and saying, like, what commitments have I overcommitted myself to and subtracting some of this stuff. But being able to step back and really think more deeply about what it is that I want out of uh, you know, my days, my weeks, my years, um, and kind of define those sets of goals and not get caught in this sort of like rat race of checking off to-do lists nonstop over and over and over again every day. You know, you, you brought up the point about checking out your to-do list and your calendar. And as, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking most of the things that you would automate would be on the to-do list, but not so much on the calendar, right? Because the calendar, it is you, there is a level of commitment or involvement that you need to have to a, to a degree. Would you, would you say that like, there is that distinction there when you're looking at automation? If you were to look at your calendar, you should, if you see like tasks on there, then those are the, they, they should almost stand out as things you can automate. But let's say like meetings and such, you may not, but there could be elements inside of that that you could automate. Exactly. Like, you know, you don't, you're not going to automate a meeting. Like if we got a chat, we got a chat. Like there's no, like, yeah, you're not, not, yeah, we, you're, not you know. you're not sending like some kind of, we're not, I'm not talking to a bot right now. That's yeah. I don't have like a robot liaison. who's like, do my <laughs> podcast for me. Right. <laughs> uh, but maybe, you know, uh, uh, but the thing that you can automate is certain components of it. For example, like the meeting prep. Um, I run a weekly staff meeting with the executive team that happens every week. And it's the same meeting structure every week. It's routine. And so we actually have a Zap set up that every week it generates a Google Doc. It fills out the template that is in place. It sends the doc to, it saves the doc to a shared Google Drive folder. So they're organized in one single place. It alerts all of the executives that the new meeting minutes are available for them to go ahead and fill out. And then it puts them in the calendar invite. So that way, all this kind of back-end prep work that has to go into having an effective executive staff meeting, that's done ahead of time automa automatically so that when we step into that meeting, we're all prepared. We're all mm -hmm. ready to be there. We're all showed up. It's not like someone's walking in at the last minute saying like, oh, shoot, I forgot to you know update people on these statuses or anything like that. This kind of automation behind the scenes helped us there. So I think there's an element of what can – there's not – you can't automate the meeting itself, but there's an element where automation can assist in the preparation of what you're getting ready to do. 
Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make, or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it, and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. All right, we're going to take a break from the conversation, but when we come back, Wade dives deeper into automation and what automation has done for him in his life. We talk about how he structures his to-do list and what he uses and a lot more. So stick around for that. But first, I want to talk about what you should be doing if you're running your own business. I mean, yes, you're used to doing it all, but if you're struggling to get through your to-do list, HoneyBook can help. When you started your business, did you dream about all those admin tasks like drafting proposals and contracts and tracking down payments? Not fun. If that wasn't part of your vision, you need HoneyBook. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. HoneyBook makes it simple to run your business better. Professional templates, e-signatures, and built-in automation keeps everything on track and makes you look good. They can even consolidate services you already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, and more. It's the number one choice for client and business management for freelancers and business owners. So save time and do more of what you love with HoneyBook. And right now, HoneyBook is offering Productivity as Podcast listeners 50% off when you visit honeybook.com slash timecrafting. Payment is flexible and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So go to honeybook.com slash timecrafting for 50% off your first year. That's honeybook.com slash timecrafting. There are certain things that you just can't automate, but if you can make things simpler and flexible and convenient, wouldn't you want to do that? Education might seem like it's not one of those things, but with the UCI Division of Continuing Education, there are 100% online courses that offer the convenience and flexibility that you need, as well as a real immersive online classroom experience. The UCI Division of Continuing Education can help you gain an edge in your career, make a career transition, or simply help you become more knowledgeable. They provide you the flexibility you need to stay on top of your game in your current role while preparing you to level up. There's open enrollment, which means there's no application that you need to complete. You just log in and sign up and you can pay for a single course or enroll in an entire certificate program. You have full control over your academic plan and you can advance your career in as little as six months. There are courses and certifications that are taught by industry practitioners in a wide range of categories from business and leadership to tech project management, law, engineering, human resources, and over 60 convenient certificates and specialized studies programs on campus and online designed for the working professional like you. So give yourself the gift of education. Visit ce.uci.edu 
slash productivityist and enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING for 15% off of one course. Now, winter registration opens October 25th, and this offer is only valid until December 31st, 2019 at 11.59 p.m. So you got to time this right, but once you do, you're going to be glad that you did. So again, visit ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING to get that 15% discount off of one course. So automation is the buzzword, the watchword, the topic of conversation today. And Meet Edgar is a social media automation tool that fits right into the conversation. Meet Edgar is something I've been using for quite a while. I've been getting better and better with it. I have to say, once I signed up, I had access to all of the educational tools that I needed, as well as an onboarding coach and live social media marketing office hours. So the barrier to entry is incredibly low, especially when you consider what Meet Edgar can do for you and what it's done for me. Really, it, it helps you amplify your presence and message across multiple social networks, which is really important to me right now because I'm essentially a one-man army. I've been able to sync Meet Edgar with Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. So I've been able to connect with my audience where they are and when they're there. Uh, the unique category-based schedule that Meet Edgar offers has saved me a ton of time and it can do the same for you as well. You can keep your feeds active and you can post the right content to the right network at the optimal time. And I've been able to maximize the reach of every piece of content I've put into Meet Edgar because of the unique suggested variations. And what, what that does is it turns a single blog post or podcast show notes like you're probably going to get with this episode into five unique social media posts with a single click. That's saving me a ton of time. It's never been easier to amplify your social media output and reach more people. Now, I want you to take advantage of what Meet Edgar can offer for you. So I want you to head on over to meetedgar.com slash timecrafting and use the code timecrafting to get an extended 60-day free trial. So again, that's meetedgar.com slash timecrafting and use the promo code timecrafting to get an extended 60-day free trial. That's outrageous. That's outlandish. That's amazing. Meetedgar.com slash timecrafting. Use that promo code timecrafting to get that 60-day free trial and see what Meet Edgar can do for you. And now let's get back to my conversation with Wade Foster of Zapier. What do you think about, you know, the, uh, I mean, you know, Siri shortcuts and things like that that we're seeing more. I mean, automation is becoming, uh, and AI is becoming, it's almost inescapable to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we're in a good place with that. But I know you said off the top, you're like, well, I don't know if we need to pump the brakes. I think what I, what I mean by that is that what a what might maybe I'm the only one. I don't think I'm the only one that does this, <laughs> but I'm the type that goes in and like just digs deep and says, "Okay, let's sit down with Zapier right now and set up all these zaps." I, when I say pump the brakes, it's more along the lines of like figuring out, like like you said, doing an audit, figuring out like what what automations you should put in place first and then kind of scaling from there. Do you have like kind of like, how did you do it? Because clearly you couldn't have said, I'm going to sit down and automate everything. You probably staged <laughs> it, right? You know, it's, it's a thing that I constantly do. Like there will just be, you know, every few weeks or maybe every month or so, like I'll sit down and just kind of like do an audit of like, what am I, where am I spending my time? Where am I, what are my focus areas? Uh, and it's, it's a bigger task than just sitting down and saying, Hey, what am I going to automate? It's mm. more about just what's important to me. You know, I take a, every month, sit down, what's important to me. And did I, and I reflect over the last month Did I use my month wisely. Where did I feel like my, you know, I was filling up my tank. Where was I getting excited over the last month? And what were the things that I was doing that were pulling me back down and dragging me out? And then 
Part of that is, is there an opportunity to automate things? Part of it, is there an opportunity to stop doing things that aren't, you know, filling my tank up? Is there an opportunity to that uh, I really want to go tackle, but my calendar is going to get in the way because I'm too busy with other commitments? So it's really thinking through a much more holistic approach to how I spend my days and my weeks. And the automation element is a part of that. Um, though I'll tell you, the thing that actually leveled up my Zap usage um, the most recently was I hired an assistant last fall. And when I was onboarding him, I was all these things where he's like, oh, I can take that off your plate. I can take that off your plate. I would stop and go like, actually, you don't need to do that. Let's delegate that to Zapier. Zapier can do that for us. So there's still, even for me, run an automation company, there's tasks where I find myself in that kind of thinking fast mentality and I'm just like, I'll just do it real quick. I'll just do it real quick. Uh, and I haven't stepped back and thought, oh, Zapier can actually solve that problem for us. What are some of the things that you found uh, since you really kind of started Zapier and then continued to evolve it that you've been able to do more that do fill you up, that you maybe were missing out on or not getting as much, uh, uh, you weren't able to do it nearly as much? Well, I think things like, you know, this, like I love getting on podcasts and chatting with different folks across a variety of industries and just learning from various people. But if my day's, you know, caught up in a bunch of internal meetings or talk, you know, uh, doing a whole bunch of different things like that, then that's not, you know, that's, that's opportunities I can't spend on this. Um, recruiting. I love, there's nothing more fun to me than getting to someone excited about coming to work at Zapier. Um, but if, you know, again, I'm caught up in meeting notes or if I'm caught up in reviewing some work from somebody else, if I'm caught up in some other task, that's a moment where I can't spend getting somebody pumped up or hearing somebody who is excited about potentially coming to work at Zapier. So there's, there's things that just in my life that I'm like, I'm uniquely qualified to do these things or I just like doing them and mm -hmm. I want to do more of that. Uh, and so I want to find time to spend you know, some of my job, it's not always going to be a hundred percent of my job doing those types of things. You know, uh, talking about like basically automating a lot of the digital stuff and maintenance tasks. I mean, a shallow mm -hmm. work, that kind of stuff. But yep. as, as you're speaking about that, it gets me thinking about the idea of paper and like just mm -hmm. writing things out and being a bit more analog and being able to kind mm -hmm. of kind of focus on those very specific, like you said, important or vital tasks that you really want to work on that only you can work on. Do you spend some time in, in that paper based realm now that you've uh, <laughs> or increasing or do you still because I think that the, it, it's always fascinating that when you can say, okay, a lot of the digital stuff's handled, I'm just going to put the tablet and the phone and the laptop away. And I'm just going to sit and write, like write some stuff out or map some things out with just good old fashioned pen and paper. You know, so the way I, I actually don't keep a to-do list, like I don't use Todoist or Asana or Trello or any of these tools. Um, I, the way I structure my weeks is I have a whiteboard, a very small one, like, you know, a, a 12 inches tall whiteboard that sits on a music stand right next to my desk. And every week I write down the two or three things that are most important uh, in marker on that whiteboard every week. And it sits right next to my desk on the music stand so that when I'm finish up with something or when I get off a meeting, I can look up and I look at that and I see, okay, this is the two or three things that matter to me. Uh, and it just keeps me focused on those things because they're there, I've taken the time to write it down. It's sitting right next to me. It's kind of omnipresent. 
so I do think there is a, a place where kind of this analog does does help. It just for whatever reason, I think it 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 kind of ingrains in our brain. It does something with our you know neuro, it does something with us neurologically that uh, helps you stay focused on whatever it is that you got to do. I love the music stand component. It feels like you're you're orchestrating your day or your week or you're composing it. Like there's that composition yep. element to it. Do yep. you one of the, do you take like are those big things that you write down there and then do you take like a time to kind of break them down to smaller particles because I mean if you're looking at like work on book like that's mm -hmm. pretty massive. Do you, are you able to kind of, because you're not using any kind of digital to-do list to kind of break it down to like the, okay, let's spend five, you know, write 500 words, get ISBN thing, all that stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. do you spend, do you spend time on that kind of thing, breaking those things down to the two? You know, I usually write them in such a way that they are kind of like week long chunks. So I wouldn't put write book because I'm not going to write a book. No, this week. That, that's, but I that, might that's, write... just a, that's just an example. But yeah, so, yeah. something like big. Yeah, but I might write something like write chapter one, and it's this topic. Okay. This week. So right? you break so it. So you break of, it down in advance. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about at home? Like, I mean, obviously, this is impacting you in your professional life, and probably like using automations is helping you in your personal life as well. And the one that you know the the other tool that we've that is known for automations, if this then that, ifttt. IFTTTTT. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> they they've their their model they've shifted a lot. I mean, and anyone who wants, we'll link to them in the show notes as well because I think it's important mm -hmm. to look at both sides of the spectrum because they've shifted more towards the home element, right? Like the there's not a lot of work stuff. I don't think they ever really were there in work stuff as much as Zapier was. Do you mm -hmm. take some of those? Like, so how does automation fit for you at home? Uh, do you, you know is is it the the fact that you freed up so much? in work that you don't need to near, do it nearly as much? Or are you finding different ways to do it? Like, how does that work for you? <laughs> you know, I, I don't do as much, uh, on the home front, mm. perhaps though, because I live a fairly like simple minimalistic, uh, personal life. Uh, I keep a pretty, you know, I don't have a lot of, a t lot of hobbies. I have one or two hobbies that I go deep on and I don't have kids. Uh, so, you know, my home life is fairly simple and as a result, fairly unstructured as well, right. um, which I kind of like because it lets me go uh, the directions that I just kind of want to go. So it's a little more wandering than perhaps my work life is. When you were uh, kind of coming up with the, the idea of building Zapier and just kind of digging into you know, being a CEO and a founder, wh who were some of the inspirations? Like, was it like, were there certain books that kind of landed it for you or were the people like where uh, and not only then but who do you draw that inspiration from now to keep moving things forward you know and early on uh you know i read a lot of the stuff that 37 signals now Basecamp was putting out you know mm -hmm. i read a lot of their books uh i read you know hard thing about hard things from uh ben horwitz uh you know i then I think as I... You're looking around we, right now, aren't you? You're looking know, around. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at my bookshelf. Those I can tell. You, the books. microphone wanders a bit, but it's like, where? Like, I find that too. I like, who in the... Like, because you have... You surround yourself with it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you caught me. <laughs> uh, you know, nowadays I find um, 
a lot of inspiration. One of one of my favorite writers and thinkers is Jeff Bezos, um, Amazon. His yearly letters that he writes are filled with all sorts of just little nuggets that are thinking about company culture uh, and, and productivity inside of company cultures and building high-performing companies that I find um, particularly forward-thinking um, compared to most companies these days. So I really have learned a lot from him over the last couple of years, just reading his letters to shareholders. Are there any things, I'll use a personal example, uh, the thousandth true fans essay from Kevin Kelly. Mm -hmm. Um, are there any particular pieces of writing or that you just return to consistently to keep you from getting pulled, like keep you from biases showing up and pulling you away from like, why, why you're operating the way you do and why you live the way you do. Because I think that, that, I mean, from my own personal standpoint, that it's very easy to fall into the comparison trap or fall prey to imposter syndrome or just lose sight of why you were doing what you were doing in the first place and have these like little waypoints or these anchors that kind of <laughs> ground you. Do you have those in place for yourself? Yeah. Either books or maybe even visual like artwork or quotes or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, one one from Bezos that I think, I, I don't know if he came up with it, but he certainly, I, in my mind, popularized the, the concept of one-way doors versus two-way doors as um, a decision-making framework. Mm -hmm. And the idea being that if um, a de decision is a reversible, it's a two-way door. You can walk through it, and if you look at the other side and see that you don't like it, you can walk back through the door, no harm done. Versus a, a one-way door would be a decision that once you make it, you can only walk through that door once. You have to live on the other side of that door. So the way that this applies to decision-making then is, if you have a decision in front of you, try and figure out if it's a one-way door or a two-way door. If it's a two-way door, just make the choice. You don't need to go into some sort of heavy analysis. You don't need to you know, waste a lot of time evaluating the pros and cons because you can just walk through and then walk back if you don't like it. So it helps you go a lot faster and it takes a lot of mental weight off of you from a decision-making standpoint when you have a two-way door sort of decision in front of you. And that allows you to save up your mental energy for these decisions that are one-way doors, which those are the ones that you really need to be thoughtful about because those are the ones that once you make that choice, you can't you can't unring that bell. You gotta live with the choice that you make there. You, you mentioned uh, Jason Frieden and the 37 Signals Now Basecamp team. Um, they've evolved over the years. They scaled up, they scaled back. What do you, let's talk about scale a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously Zapier has the ability to scale you know, within the construct of what it is, right? Like you can mm -hmm. add more and more. You know, if you, if, if someone was to go there right now, and again, I encourage you to do that if you're listening and look at everything you can connect. Uh, it's, it's quite vast, but what about the, the offerings? You know, I mean, we see companies that, that, uh, startups, whatever, it doesn't even matter. Brick and mortars do this too. We've seen it with, you know, Barnes and Noble is a great example. Like, Oh, we sell books. Oh no, no, wait, now we sell vinyl. Oh no, no, wait, now we sell <laughs> fashion. And it's like, you know, you kind of veer out of your lane a little bit. What, what, in terms of scale, how, how are you planning on scaling and how are you going to continue to scale? And are you thinking, you know, how wide is that lane? Does that lane yeah. look for you? You know, I think when you see a Barnes & Noble do something like that, what they're trying to perhaps, what I would suspect they're trying to avoid is this this innovator's dilemma sort of situation where you say, hey, you know, the thing that got us here is what's going to get us there. And um, 
the reality is like innovation and technology moves so quickly that you kind of always have to be looking for the next angle for yourself or you might find that your company is you know uh innovated out of business you know mm. the, the netflix comes along or the amazon comes along and and you know they kind of they find a way to do the thing that you were doing better cheaper faster whatever it might be and so you know to a certain extent worth thinking about those things too which is okay you know we've got this really strong automation platform what's the things that we can build around this what products can we build that you know deepen this uh, that broaden this that help folks be more productive at work because that's the ultimate goal for us is we want everyone to find a way to get more out of the tools that they use and so we're thinking about things that exist in that broader universe um, some things I'm sure we'll launch things over the coming you know decade that people might look at and go that seems kind of odd for them um, and maybe it is, and maybe we get it wrong. Um, I'm sure that would will happen to us, but I'd rather take those chances rather than to kind of say, you know, we've got our lane and we're going to always stay in it. Right. So you'll, you'll build, instead of widening the lane, you'll just add off-roads. <laughs> you can close yeah, the road and, if you, you need know, to, right? Yeah, exactly. Maybe some of them don't work for us, but, you know, I, I think it's worth taking those chances to help other, like, you're never going to build, no one ever built no one was ever successful by not trying things. So we've right. got to try something. One of the other quotes that Bezos is attributed to is focus on the things that don't change, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. so how do you abide by that? Do you abide by that? Do you kind of like, is that something that you pay particular attention to? Or is it something that you're kind of like, I see that point to, to what we we're just talking about. But you know what? There, I can <laughs> see that there's some, especially because you live in it, like, like you said, Technology and innovation move very quickly. So can you touch on that? Because, I mean, Amazon, a great example. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, they are in retail. That's what yeah. they do, right? Yeah. Uh, Netflix is in the, you know, content distribution and now content creation business. Mm -hmm. your, 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 your business is largely structured on building automations between existing platforms that you also need to keep track of because if mm -hmm. they change, then you need to change and, and so on and so forth. So how do you, how does that quote fit into the ethos of, of Zapier? And, and actually further to that, to you, uh, you know, in your life. Yeah, I, I love that quote. I think it's brilliant. You know, Amazon talks about how customers always are going to want low prices. They're always going to want a lot of selection. And so those are the things that they focus on is they want to be the everything store. They're going to try and sell everything and then we're going to try and sell it at the lowest price they possibly can. Um, for us, we know that companies and people at work are always looking for ways to do things faster, cheaper, higher quality, those types of things. So when we talk about helping people be more productive at work, helping them achieve more at work, we're focusing on those outcomes. So how can we deliver things that are going to get those outcomes for our customers? Because we know people are always going to want that. That's something that has been this way for, for since the beginning. We've always looked for uh, better ways to do things. That's, I think, kind of one of the main achievements of humankind is that we've constantly been inventing and, uh, uh, and innovating for, for centuries, for millennia. Uh, and so that is where we kind of, when I think about that quote, that's what I really go to. You know, Wade, this has been a great conversation. I, I want to kind of wrap things up by kind of digging in a little bit into, uh, the idea of, of, um, what 
I lost my train of thought here. I know I rarely do that. That was good. Like we've been, mm-hmm. we've been having a good, good go. I'm gonna have to put an edit point in. Damn it! Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I think I think I lost it. So we're just gonna wrap up. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Wade, this has been a great conversation. I'm sure we could chat more uh, about things. We could just have a. I mean, I'm sitting here with my cup of coffee, uh, and we could probably go on and just chat about other things, including including like just life as a. I, I'm you know I I I'm on the other side of like I've got two kids, I'm married. Uh, you know, where I'm like, what's it like to be on your own and have your own <laughs> time and be able to just kind of have an unstructured life? Uh, mm-hmm. But we'll we'll dig into that at another time. In the meantime, where can people learn more about uh, Zapier and find more uh, out about what you you're doing uh, and keep up with you? Yeah, Zapier.com. You can uh, check out the tool. Check out the blog. The blog is great. Talks a lot about how to use a variety of these tools. And uh, you can all also check me out on Twitter. I'm at Wade Foster. There, I'm fairly active as well. Wade, thanks again for joining me on the Productivity is Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. So Wade and I had a great conversation, as you as you heard. And one of the things that he said that kind of stuck out for me and stood out was initially when he's when I said, you know, we got to pump the brakes. And he, he was kind of like, I don't know if we need to pump the brakes. And I, I'm glad I clarified that with him. And we chatted a little bit afterwards about that, too. But the idea that um, pumping the brake you, when you're trying to delegate and you're trying to automate, I don't think you should delegate or automate because you've read it somewhere that it needs to happen or you're doing it for automation's sake. It's very important that you be deliberate about this stuff. Be very intentional, right? Like, you know that if you've listened to me talk about this before and you've read my work, you know that I believe personal productivity is about intention plus attention. What is my intention? How am I going to pay attention to that? When you use a tool to automate or when you start to delegate, your intention is to get that thing off your plate but still get it done, but you still have to have a way to pay attention to it. And if you're delegating it to a person, the way you pay attention to it is maybe you use a tool like Asana or Trello or Todoist or whatever, and then you can see what you've assigned to that person, right? So that way you can keep track of it. Or maybe you're going to use, and incidentally, the other thing you can do is you can say, okay, I'm not ready to assign it to that person yet, uh, or they don't use this tool, but I've created a tag or a label that says, hey, this is either on that person's plate or it's something I could in the future assign it. Like I mentioned, you know, adding the label or tagged Zapier to Todoist or Asana, let's say. And again, this can be done with any tool or it can be done in paper too. There's lots of ways to make this work. Um, But the problem is, is if you do it too much all at once, then the ability to pay attention to those is diminished because you're spreading it out. So if you're not terribly skilled with technology or you're just getting used to starting to use things like this, Maybe start out with the one, like take the time, like Wade said, and figure out what you could delegate, what you could automate. Don't just jump right in because jumping right in, especially, you know, you've got to, you've got to wade and dip your toe, wade, there you go. (laughs) You got to dip your toe in the water and go into the wading pool before you can dive into the deep end. If you've never, if you, if you're just learning how to swim, you know, you've got to crawl before you can walk, before you can run. Same principles apply here. Um, And the reason that you want to do this is because then you get more comfortable and more confident and more competent. All, it kind of goes hand in hand in hand. It's kind of like when I talk about theming your days and people say, you know, I can't possibly theme every day of the week. No one said you had to. You could theme one day of the week and maybe theme the one that makes the most sense. You know, Saturday's the day you do household chores. You spend your day at home, you're with your family, call it household day, and then group all the tasks that would fall into there 
to do them on a Saturday, that kind of thing. You don't have to do everything all at once. That's probably counterproductive for, for most people because they can't just dig right in, which is why when you read, you know, either productivity books or you read articles or you, you know, you watch a webinar on how to do it and you feel like you're doing it all at once, um, the likelihood of you being able to be consistent and stick with it diminishes because it's just too much to take in. When I do workshops, same thing, right? You know, I don't, I don't want to give everybody all of time crafting all at once because it's very hard to absorb it. You're actually asking people to change the, their mindset and, and their method. Um, you can't do, you have to kind of bring it in bit by bit. So if you're going to start using a tool like Zapier or whatever automation or delegation you're going to do, start slowly and build from there. Uh, you know, start with those shallow work tasks, like, like we talked, the ones that take up like the, the thinking fast tasks. And, and if you can group a bunch of them together, that's great. And, and one way to do it maybe is to say, Hey, these are all the ones that I do when I'm in Excel. Let me see if I can automate some of these, like look at the, the software that you use for, you can use Zapier and say, Hey, I'm using Slack a lot. How do I automate a lot of things that are going on in Slack? Or I'm using, you know, uh, process street a lot. How can I, how can I, you know, uh, automate a lot of the stuff that goes on in there. Don't spread it too thin right away because what will happen, you know, it, the, you run the risk of not only it not working for you, but then the trust in automation and delegation also wanes for you. And then you're like, you know, well, it's probably better that I just do it myself. Or the last time I tried this, it didn't work because your brain can't separate the fact that it was this one thing that you tried and it didn't work. And it kind of, expands it to like, oh, automation doesn't work for me. Not true. So start bit by bit. That's my advice. Uh, you know, and if you're going to use a tool like Zapier, I think it's a great place to start, but don't, don't do what I, cause I did this. Don't do like 20 zaps. Don't try to pick, you know, a handful, you know, pick three, pick five, start there. Cause remember, you're going to have to audit these too. It's, you, know, you have to have a way to pay attention to them because sometimes automations break, especially when you're dealing with technology and technology that tethers two services together that also change. So if Evernote makes a change and you're using an Evernote, you know, recipe or zap, like a zap with, with Evernote, then what's going to happen is you're going to have to audit the, you're going to have to audit that zap, but also you may not be able to reuse it because maybe Zapier hasn't been able to keep up with it yet. Maybe Evernote's removed itself from, from the equation altogether. So keep that in mind. I'm not trying to turn you off from automation. I just don't think you should automate for automation's, automation's sake. And I also think if you're going to start, start slow and build from there. That's the way that you can do it. So to Wade's point, when you're thinking about automation, think slow first. Use the thinking slow element of your brain to figure out what thinking fast what tasks you could do and then group those accordingly and then start with, with the amount that you feel comfortable with so that you can get more competent with it. And then that way you can get more confident with it as well. Okay, it's time for my productivity podcast pick of the week. And I want to talk about process or process, depending on where you're from. Uh, Justin DeRose is the host of this program. It's a short podcast. We're talking less than 15 minutes. And it only started in, you know, early 2019. So there's not a lot of back catalog for you to go through. But each episode is, is, 
the great thing is that they're short episodes, so you can get through them uh, fairly quickly, but there's a lot in there. You know, he talks about like his, you know, some of the news that goes on in the productivity space. Um, and, and the the subtitle, Making Productivity Personal, I really, really like that. Uh, you know, there's productivity systems he talks about. I'm, I mentioned episode two, which I kind of like. Uh, the the definition of what is productivity, uh, you know, the idea of makers and managers, which is, you know, that that uh, there's a, a famous essay from, uh, I'm going to blank on it right now, but a uh, famous essay that's about maker, makers, uh, the maker and the manager, um, you know, lots of great stuff, the perils of over productivity, that's episode eight, the most important tasks, digital minimalism. So he's talked about Cal Newport's book, who Cal's been a guest on the show, picking a task manager, project management versus task management, the bullet journal how he's liking it. There's lots here. So if you like this show, you're going to love the, you're going to love the process. So check it out. It's called process. I highly recommend it. It's my productivity is podcast pick of the week. And that's it for this episode. Big thanks to Wade for joining me on the program. Again, all of the stuff that we talk about in this episode is available for you. You just need to go to the show notes, which are in your podcast app that you're listening to right now. Uh, and we, you know, you can, you can check out all the show notes, of course, at productivities.com slash podcast 267. And if you're not subscribed to the show yet, please do so in Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever, Spotify, wherever you're listening to podcasts, please subscribe to the program. Uh, I, I just want to help you know, you get more productive and hopefully these conversations are doing so. If you enjoyed this episode, a rating or review at wherever you're listening to the show would be very helpful. Uh, I want to make the show better and getting those ratings and reviews help me do that. Uh, if you want to give me a five-star review, that's fantastic. I would love those. But again, I want you to be honest and forthright. That's going to help me make the show better. So uh, I want to thank all, all those who uh, sponsored the program as well. If you uh, want to support the show, that's another thing you, you can do is support the sponsors of the show also. That's it for this week. I'm looking forward to upcoming episodes. I've got Stephen Blue, the author of Metamorphosis. He's coming up on the program in the next few weeks. We have uh, Neil Pasricha. He's the uh, author of You Are Awesome, as well as other books about awesomeness. He's going to be on the program in the coming weeks. We've got Brian Dixon coming up on the show. Uh, we've got Andrew Tarvin, Richie Norton, uh, Cliff Ravenscraft is coming up on the program. Uh, so many episodes. I am booked out fairly decently in advance, which is great because it allows me to kind of do the research necessary to get these shows off the ground. I actually contemplated very briefly about doing the uh, show more than once per week. If you have feedback that you want to give the show and you don't want to do it in rating and review, you want to do it privately, email me at podcast at productivityist.com and let me know your thoughts there as well. But there's lots of great stuff coming down the pipeline. And when you subscribe to the program, you can listen to our 266 plus episodes that are in the archive as well. That's it for this episode. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivities Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. I'll see you later.